0: Uh, look, it, it, is, it is a moment now where we get to open up these words. And the reason we open up these words, the reason we have Bibles and we, and we do Bible talks is because we are, we are convinced that there's a God who made us and He likes talking to us. He really likes hearing from us too. There's a lot of commands to pray, but but he, he speaks to us as well. And this is a moment in our week. Maybe maybe for you, this is the only moment in your week you've actually had to do this. You haven't had an ideal week. And this is a moment you get to listen to God speak to you. So let's, oh, I'm, I'm privileged to be the person who gets to open it up. Uh, but just take this moment and, stop and think, yeah, no, God, you love me and, and you're going to speak to me now and and just set our hearts in that sort of space. Um, just get that in ahead. Um, you might want to uh, thank the people from Little Souls at the end of tonight because they've they've helped you or because you know they helped the person sitting next to you to be able to hear God speak more clearly. So just a reminder of keeping appreciative for them. Um, we are going through Colossians and we've got, uh, this is our last sort of time before we sort of break that a little bit, because next week we're going to be doing uh, an Easter talk, and then a couple of weeks after that we've got a couple of guests coming in to speak, and then we'll be sort of dipping back in and finishing off Colossians in the next little bit. Um, But here we go, we've got Colossians chapter three, And, and I've got a little question for you just to start, just to get our minds into the space. When you say the words, my life, and whatever words go around that in a sentence for you normally when we talk about my life, what do you mean? My life. What what words come to mind when you say, oh, my life is? What are you thinking about? Because we've been listening in as God talks to this Colossian church, a new church, new Christians. They're just learning new ways of living that are completely different to the way that they've lived before. And in last week's passage, God told them, if you don't belong here, if you belong to me and belong to heaven, and if you trust in Jesus, that that's you, you do. And why are you obeying the, the, the pressures and the worldly rules, because you died with Christ to that stuff, so you don't need to do that. And in this week's passage, God says, well, not just don't obey the worldly rules, he says, if you belong somewhere else, if you belong up here with me, I want you to start thinking like it. I want you to start thinking like it. If you've been raised with Christ, if that's where your life is now, I want you to start thinking like it. See, these, these Colossians, they're, they're people just like us, and they had their way of life, things that were normal to them. But this being in Christ thing changed everything for them. Firstly, because wherever Jesus is, that's where, that's where they're going to. And where Jesus is king, that's where their citizenship is. But now God's saying it's also going to change how you think. And I hope that if you are reading that and thinking, oh, my goodness, there's lots of to-dos in this passage here, you've heard me say that actually this passage is about how you Think first, because it is. Here we go. Chapter, verse one. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then straight away hits that same note again. Set your minds on things above. You see, the start here is a twin command about how Christians are supposed to regulate their own thought life. Do, Do you regulate your thought life? It's pretty hard, isn't it? Thoughts tend to run away with you, feelings run away with you. I find it difficult. But it's about where we deliberately choose to place our focus. See, God's pushing the Colossians not to let the ways that this world works to be what sets the categories for their heads, for their goals, and for their dreams, even for their happiness or their their definition of success, which is hard for the Colossians. Their, Their life, their culture was so different to God's. Israel had a sense of how to live from the law that they'd got from Moses, but the Gentiles didn't. They had no idea. They didn't think it was weird or wrong to have sex with the prostitute at the shrine because that's just what happens when you're worshipping there. And yet their normal was all of these things that now the verse 7 sort of list we're supposed to put off, to get rid of. They had to train their consciences anew. And I think that we take for granted that the things that we feel yucky about are bad and the things that we feel sort of warm and fuzzy about are good. But sometimes it's not actually true and it wasn't true for the Colossians, the things that they thought were just normal and why would you have a problem with that God? Okay, I guess I I won't do that if you don't like it, but seriously, what's the problem? They had to have their consciences retrained and I think we do too. Do you know one of the basic principles of, of Australia? One of the, you know, if you've if you been here for a few weeks, and you know, are the stoikea of Australia, the basic principles of this world, the way our world works. I reckon it is capitalism. Advertising, right? And you know the funny thing? all right. Relatively speaking, I don't buy much stuff, I don't think. I don't like buying stuff. I, I pride myself on the ads not being able to change my mind. Is that you? You're just sort of watching the ads and you're like, you're never going to convince me. It's the same, maybe I'm just, you know, anti-everything and just sort of backwards, but, but the thing with that I find with myself is that capitalism still gets the last laugh with me sometimes. Because the underlying thing that's underneath every ad does influence me. Even as I sit there congratulating myself on thinking, no, 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 I'm, I don't need to buy crunchy nut cornflakes. Um, I, because I, what I'll do is I'll say, because they're not, that's not what's going to make me feel good. I know the things that are going to make me feel good. And I realize, oh no, I've already lost. Because what's every ad about? making me feel good. It's just preserving me up a different thing that's going to make me feel better. It builds into me the concept that I have wants, I have needs, and my task in life is to work out how to express and how to satisfy those needs. And even as I congratulate myself on not being sucked in by the ads I've lost. See, sometimes we call it a win when we've got what makes us feel good. And if you look at the list in verse 5 of what the Colossians are to put to death... That's not so far from what Paul has to undo in them either. But look at verse 5. So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passions, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. You see the similarity? You notice a a pattern through them. Um, There's probably better words to say this, but I think each member of that list of the things that we're supposed to be taking off, they're things we want in order to satisfy a felt need. It is so important for us to do this radical refocusing exercise that God commands us to do in verses 1 and 2, to reset our minds. Uh, There's a guy named David Foster Wallace. He tells this little parable. He says there's two young fish. They're swimming along. Little clownfish, cute little fish. And then they meet this older fish coming back the other way. Older oh, fish is pretty cool, it says, morning boys, how's the water? They sort of nod, swim on past. And uh, eventually when they're far enough away that the older fish can't hear the bubbling, one of them looks over to the other one and says, what on earth is water? Because they don't know that they're fishing, swimming in water. It's just, it's just what they're in. It's so in them that they don't even know that it exists. And the culture of our world is like that. We need to actively choose to set our minds on Christ, because because we are so of this world. That's just our normal, and we need to set a new normal. Not a new normal of how we're going to deal with COVID and you know when I need to wear masks and things like that. A new normal of seeing the world through the lens of Jesus. We need to think differently. Here's a, here's a few examples. If I was to stop and think right now, not, okay, Peter, you're doing a good job. Are you, are, are you fulfilling your job? Are you, are you, are you, you know, giving people value for money for being a pastor or a soul church? If instead of that, I stop and I think, what matters right now, Pete, is am I living in a way that's bringing a smile to God's face in this moment? It's a different, it's a different way to evaluate myself. Uh, what defines success in dealing with my current difficulty. Okay, I've got a current difficulty, I've got something I'm trying to work through. What, how do I define success? What if I define success not as having overcome it, but success as that I went to Jesus with it? That I trusted him in and amongst it. That's what is my the, the definition of success. That would be a reset of my mind. I don't know if it's a reset of yours. Uh, what about this one? I, I know I get stressed about life, <laughs> making ends meet, whether the kids are going to go well at school, but what if I just reset my mind that actually it's God's priorities? It's his kingdom and the advancement of it. It's, it's people coming to know him as their, sa- their saviour, you get the pronouns right, uh, it, It's people trusting in him, that that's actually the thing that I'm... That's, that's, that's the project that we're all on, including my kids. Me getting money in the bank enough to pay rent is actually... Which I'm fine by the way, <laughs> not, not 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 freaked out about that at all. But but do, do you know what I mean? If those moments when I was younger and that was a real deal, well, it's a means to an end. That's just a means to an end. The end point is whether God's kingdom is growing, whether it's bearing fruit, whether my friends who I who I catch up with who are Christians are becoming more like Jesus and I'm excited by that. See that that's what excites. You see, this is the kind of thinking that makes Paul genuinely joyful even when he's in prison and writing this letter from prison, remember. Because he's like, that's just the cost of doing business, it's fine. Me being out of prison, that'd be great, but it's a means to an end. Me being in prison right now, sweet. I get to make sure lots of people know about Jesus. It's working. Business is good. Just the cost of doing business and business is good, he says, from prison. The thing is, we are dead to this place, this earth, and the way it thinks, career, and all that sort of stuff. You don't belong to it anymore if you're a Christian. And so you don't need to be successful in any of its... Measures any of its terms, it's got no hold on you. You're dead to that. Jesus died, remember all that stuff. So, you've died too. So, where is your life? Well, verse 3 I know we haven't got very far through the talk, through through the passage, we're far through the talk. It's all right. Verse 3 For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, your life is hidden with Him. See, what your life is mostly about and what your life mostly consists of will not be visible to your non-Christian mates. And sometimes it won't even be very visible to you. It's hidden. It's not as in your face. And so we've got to actively do this refocusing. Like, pardon me. If you are ever going to refocus your life, if you're ever going to seek the things that are above, if you're ever going to set your minds on the things that are above, this is your, like, maybe one, like... The time that you read this in your quiet time, by the time you get a talk preached on this passage, might be your only time you ever do it like this. Please do it now. This is your moment where God is saying to you, hey, like Jesus did to his disciples, your treasure's in heaven, guys. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And that's what's going to change their behavior. Treasures in heaven, guys. Put store treasures for yourself in heaven, and where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be, and that's what's going to change all the rest. So it's a thinking first. He's telling me tonight, Pete, you need to take time to actively choose to regulate your thoughts and align them with the priorities of heaven. So I want to ask you, like, <laughs> when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Think of a time. The, Annoy the person next to you afterwards. Album in the ribs after the talk. So When are you going to do it? Like, take a moment. Who are you going to discuss it with? Which brother or sister are you going to you know, have this fun plan of excitingly resetting your mind of what is success and what is your joy and where, what do you consider to be your life? This is our, this is our evening for that. All right. Now, so we, now we get to the fun stuff. Uh, we're going to move forward to verse five. If our thoughts are for heaven, if that is true, if that's where our heaven is, where, it's where our heart is, therefore we will want to put to death whatever belongs to our earthly nature. And we get to that list, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, it's easy to read in a list like that. And in a list like that, they all look kind of bad because the context makes it look kind of bad. But on Sunday night, late at night, Some of them don't look so bad. They look comforting and easy and nice through the week when I've forgotten about Sunday's talk. Now, they promise to be a blessing, but that does not mean that they are. They bring God's anger and they break his world. And so let's go through a little bit of a list of some of these things. Pornography, put it to death, says here. Take it out the back, shoot it. Throw poison on it, bury it six foot under, stamp on it a few times, like just like this is this is as strong a language as you can get. And if you want to work with me on a plan to do that, this is the kind of thing that I do for myself, so I make sure I'm doing it, and come talk to me. We'll put a plan in place together. We'll work on it. Greed. Sentence it to death. Greed is setting up money, setting up financial security as what is going to save me from the hardships of life, either from my feeling bad about myself, the emotional hardships, or just from, like, what's my security? It's going gonna, it's gonna to get me through when things are hard. And that's why it's called idolatry. So idolatry is when you worship something other than God. And, and a, good, a good definition of worship is what are you going to to save you? What are you going to for healing? What are you going to when you're down? What are do you going to for safety, for security at the end of the month when you look at the balance sheet? Or when you remember your saviour? What quietens your heart and makes you say, oh, no, it's okay. need to worry. Don't go to something God made. Go to the maker. If for some reason we think that the thing that's God made is more able to save us than God. Now, look, that's probably one of the sneakiest in this list for our hearts. So sniff that one out. We are in a, we are in a country where we are well off, and we don't even realize it because we're all well off. So sniff that one out and kill that one. Now, look, you, you might experience attraction to someone you're not married to, whether they're the same sex as you or the opposite sex, uh, when the thoughts go from appreciation of this beautiful human being and thankfulness to God for them to a lustful desire to possess them, either in physicality or just in your mind. Check yourself out of that thought early in the process. Rehumanize them as a person who's deserving of honor and respect and does not belong to you but belongs to God. And put that thought to death, the old bad thought to death. Maybe for you, you might experience joy when people you don't like have bad things happen to them. Experience that the Germans have got a word for it, don't they? I don't even know how to. I've read it in so many articles in politics about how one politician who was had a crack at the other one, and then like then they had their comeuppance, and then like they're all you know Schadenfreuding. Is that the, Is that how you say it? I don't know. Schadenfreude. Oh, you say that. Okay, right. Very German. Schadenfreude. Now, that's an evil desire, isn't it? You want something bad to happen to someone else. And it's going to make you feel good. That's not how Jesus rolled. He's our life. He's our guy. He's, he's going to be like. Put that to death. And turn around and pray for God to bless that person that you just felt smugly joyful that they got taken down. Pray for good things for them. Now, look, the, the, word that, the word that is sort of hard here in, in this word is particularly, say, verse 8 there. You must put them all away. All. There might be one of these that you've kind of tempted to give yourself a free pass on. Don't do that. Because these things don't fit with God. They're the reason God's angry in the first place, because of these. And you love God. We want to please him, not anger him if we're in Christ. They might be normal things, and they might be normal things across our culture, but they don't have to be normal for us, not our new normal. Because I want to please God joyfully. All right, now we get to the next list, the verse 8 to 9 list. It's funny that there's two lists of bad things. It might seem like it's because Paul's kind of negative. He just wants like, he's just all harping on the bad stuff, but it's not. If you notice, the first list was where you really want something and you're going to this thing because you want it and you take something that you shouldn't have. The second list is actually about how to make this place a beautiful place to be with each other. It's a list of how we treat each other or how we should not treat each other. Verse 8, put off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Just, Just take these off. Like like a pair of shoes that's got so smelly, and I have these, and I I still wear these at times. That is so smelly that like once they get a bit warmer, like they're fine when you put them on, but then once if then your feet for a while they warm up and then they really stink, and then the people around you even actually notice, and you see the looks on their faces. And like it's just take them off, take them off, and probably throw them away. Like a jumper that's gotten wet, and so it's actually not warming you anymore; it's making you colder. It felt good, but it's worse. Take them off. Maybe even now take a moment, actually, to stop and think about one of these that you, you've you realised, actually, I'm a little comfortable with this. It's like an old pair of shoes I like but stinks. And call it that. Call it something that should be thrown away. Just mentally note it as that. Take us that step to do that now. Dissociate it from nice comforting and make it as, no, this is bad. Let's go through a couple of them. I mean, if you find yourself getting angry and frustrated often and you're thinking, yeah, but it's only when people make me angry. Well, firstly, of course, anger anger always seems justified to us when it's happening. Uh, Case in point, I I do this. Uh, But secondly, um, if you actually find this a normal thing for you, a regular thing for you, well, you need to talk about it with someone who loves you. Because anger does not produce the righteous life that God requires, James says. It doesn't produce healthy living for the angry person or for the people who regularly are being the objects of anger, the recipient of it. And certainly not for a church family. Now, look, often if you're angry, it's actually because you've been hurt. And there's a sadness underneath it. And you take it out on other people when the sadness just gets so hard. And that's partly why it feels so justified when it happens. So if that's you, well, take off the anger, like Paul says here, and instead... Talk to someone about the sadness that's under it and support each other as we face the hurts and the frustrations that we so often use anger to cope with. Don't use anger to cope with it. Sort out the problem underneath. Talk to your mates about it. If anger's your issue, find someone who loves you, talk to them about it. Slander's easy to do. Speaking negatively about someone behind their back, even accidentally, when it happens, take it off. Take it back. Apologise, whatever it takes, get rid of it. And call, let's call each other on this one because it's so easy to do accidentally. If, if and, and we can just get into bad habits if no one says, hey, by the way, do you realize I think you just, I think you might have just done that. Really? Yeah. Oh, gee. That's not cool, is it? No. And, then, and we'll do it together. Like, there's no shame in this in Christ because Jesus has taken our shame away. So we can look at our sin and call it what it is and and not be, not be down. Lies are easy to do. Just tell the truth. It's far less exhausting to tell the truth than to be pretending and when you find yourself this is so most of these by the way just revealing my sins right when you when you find yourself calculating excuses for yourself in your head that are kind of half true uh you know like you're late because of traffic which is never true in Hobart by the way so I've just sort of lost half of my excuses for that um and just just when you find yourself thinking oh yeah this is kind of true but it's really not the reason that that happened and so I'm so you know I, I don't really have an excuse just stop Say silly old self, like we don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. Because it hurts each other. And it just means I don't trust you as if I could as if I can't tell you the truth and trust that you'll still love me. That's what we're not want our family to be like. Let the other person not really happen. Sure. You'll you'll be scared of being humiliated, but I promise you you'll feel less shame by the end of it, not more. Now, it's important to notice something that Paul doesn't say here. Well, three things it doesn't say. It doesn't say here, if you find yourself on this list, you should feel bad, which is easy to do, right? You'll read this list and you're just like, ugh, it's depressing. Colossians says you should read this list and be joyful because you've been saved from this. You've been rescued from having to do it and you've been rescued from the penalty of it and the shame of it's been taken away and your God loves you. Things are good. It does not say you should already have been good enough not to have to take it off and, 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 and throw accusing fingers. The, the point of the gospel is, is that all of the, everyone else in the world wants the point accusing fingers at you, including the gods of the other religions and, and, and the spiritual powers in heaven. And God's like, nah, you can't do that anymore. I don't want anyone pointing fingers at this one. They're gone. So don't do that. It doesn't say, you can't do this. In fact, the prayer of Paul is that they would be empowered with the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, which is the power that's working in you. You can do this. But what does it say? It does say, stop pretending that you're not on this list. We all are. We've all got an old nature that we need to be rescued from. An old, The old man is hanging on like a bad smell. And it says, find those bits that cling on to you, and as you find them, take them. Now, there's a funny little bit here, right? I don't know if you noticed it kind of being out of place. Like, it's a whole bunch of stuff, don't do this. But then you get to verse 11, and all of a sudden it says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. What? <laughs> like, why on earth? What is the purpose of that here? And I think the reason is that those bits that we're supposed to take off before that are to stop us from putting barriers between each other. When I lie to you, it disconnects me from you. When, when, I, when I slander you, it breaks relationship. All of those things, right? Why don't we do that anymore? Well, because there's no distinctions anymore. There's, there should be no barriers between us anymore, not people who are in Christ together. There should be nothing between us. There should be no one here that you can't talk to. There's nothing between you anymore. Jesus has taken it away. Even if you feel awkward about something and you feel like there's something between you, just go up and say sorry and then it's gone. There is, there is nothing between us anymore and we shouldn't put things between us anymore. Which does ask the question about why don't I talk to certain people at church? But we'll, we'll, pick, that one, we'll pick that one up when we get back into Colossians next time. We're gonna, this passage is so good, we're actually going to get through the last few verses. We'll, we'll do it again, the last couple of verses, um, verses uh, 14 to 17. We'll do that next time we get into Colossians. It's going to be beautiful. All right, we get into the good stuff. We get into the beautiful list. This last little bit, we're just about to finish. Verse 12: Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Do you get that? Do you get what He wants to set you up with? You are already holy, you are already loved as you could possibly be. He wants to start with that. Then, because you already are that, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility. Put on meekness, put on patience, bear with one another. And if if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love. Put these things on. What, What are those things? We will dig a little bit back into that again later, but... Uh, sorry, as, in, as in in another talk. But what, I want to ask you, what are you really not known for out of that list, right? You're like, okay, you know, I know Tim or I know Lydia or I know Billy or whatever, and these guys, these guys have got that thing, but that thing, yeah, I don't got that. Why don't you try putting it on? Become known for it in your family, in your church family. It's not like you can't. You've been, you've been empowered by God. Why don't try putting it on? A new suit that you tried on this week, just that you never, never, haven't worn for a while. Have a go. And if along the way you're fighting towards putting that on, you find that for certain reasons you can't do it, that's actually a good thing. Use that, use that, use that for you. You see, you start, that just means you've started to uncover the roots of your sin. You're sort of working out how it's affected you. You're going to get to the inside. Get curious. Investigate it. Talk to a friend. You know, I've been trying to put on... Uh, what are we going to go with? I've been trying to put on humility this week and you know what i have failed utterly it's been really hard really when did you try well i tried here and i was completely proud here okay wow really interesting let's yeah let's talk about it we can be curious about sin because it's gone and its power has been taken its power its thing has been taken away and so we can investigate it work it together and when we f- we're trying to put on something and we find it just doesn't quite fit well that tells you where there's an issue and now you've, got, now you've got more information with which to fight the devil and fight that sin. Do it with your brothers and sisters. All right. And this is the last point. It is not like you can't do this. It is not like you can't do this. Do you look at this, maybe you've even been feeling just more and more exhausted as this talk has gone along. I don't know if that's you or maybe as you read this, you might feel exhausted. You will be this in heaven. Did you know? Like you sort of look at one of the, if maybe there's that one that you're like, oh, that's not me because I'm not that person. Oh, you will be in heaven. It's not like, it's not like being good at soccer, like, you know, or, or, or being, you know, I, I don't know, like being organized. Like I am not going to be organized in heaven, I don't think, right? I don't think that's just all of a sudden, that's a, a part of humanity that God's going to give me. But I'll be humble and I'll be meek. That's my destiny. I can't avoid that. That's where I'm headed, I'm going to get there. This is your destiny. Get on board with it. Pick something that you're not and put it on. It's where you're headed anyway, if you're in Christ. Now, what do you think of as your life? these things. These, us all growing together in these things. The, 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 the joy I get as I see you guys grow in these, in these elements or I see how you know, you've already grown under, under you know, other pastors or other mentoring relationships or other friendships or other Christian ministries or from when you're in Sunday school, you stop telling lies then. Whatever it is, like I get the joy and we get the joy of seeing this stuff grow in each other and that's our life. That's our fun. That's the thing that, that, that psychs us up And we we don't get to sort of always see all of it now. But when Jesus comes back, because make no mistake, he is the king of the world. He's the king in heaven right now. And when heaven and earth merge into the new creation, he'll be king there and it'll be revealed. Every time that you chose to not tell a lie because you wanted to make your king happy, because you love Jesus, your older brother Jesus, you wanted to please him, it'll become evident. And your friends and your workmates will be like, oh, that's why he was like that. That's why she was so kind. Praise God. And people will praise God because of it. It will be revealed when Christ, who is your life, appears. You won't just appear with him as like sort of trophy wife. You will also appear with him in glory. Let's live that life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you you for loving us enough to say it. Father, we ask that you would help us to set our minds on heaven, to reset how we think, to read your scriptures diligently, to to have that happen. We praise you for the way that that's already happened for us in in all these little different ways throughout our lives, through different people. Father, please, this week we pray that you'd help us to put off and put to death things that belong to the old person. That, yep, we find them in our lives, but we know it doesn't belong here anymore. And like Marie Kondo clearing out some clutter, we just take it out of the back and shoot it. Rather, help us to do that together, encouraging each other, supporting each other too. And Father, we pray that we might find an element of your character that had been forgotten in us, but that we are going to have very soon when we see you again. Father, pray that we might be able to put that on this week, like a swish new jacket that just looks so good because it's got just all the hallmarks of your glory associated with it. Father, by the power of your spirit who is powerful and empowering us and who raised Christ from the dead, We ask these things that you might make them true in us. In Jesus' name, in who is our life. Amen.